So if you don't know, we're on overflow from the Women's Conference. How many of you ladies were here? Yes? And I love our family online as well. So many. We had a wonderful time. So we're just going to continue with that this morning. Krista Smith is in the house. So we don't want to take any more time away from her. Krista, which she... Oh, there you are. I'm like, there she is. Come on up. Would you stand with me and give her a big hand of applause? Come on, let's give Jesus just a little bit more praise in the house. Woo! Oh, let's just stay standing for a moment. The presence of God is so beautifully in this room. Lord, we just... We abide and we bask in your presence this morning. We just say thank you for being in our midst. Lord, let us never grow familiar with you coming every time we gather. Lord, I pray and I believe this morning people are not here by accident. They could have stayed home. They could have not tuned in. They could have not chose to be online. They could have not chose to be in person, but Lord, People have chosen to be a part of what you're doing this morning. I believe there's an impartation. I believe there's an encounter that's going to happen this morning with people. Those that have come in hopeless are going to walk out with hope. Those that are depressed are going to walk out, Lord, with so much excitement and zeal for the future and what you have awaiting for them. Lord, I pray a fresh encounter. For every single person in this room, you know, every single story that each of us represent, Lord, meet us in the midst of our story. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I am so honored to be at Life Center. I tell you what, this is a legendary platform. And so when I got the invitation, my husband and I love Life Center, and I believe this is my first Sunday I've ever preached here, correct? So when they, I got the invitation and our assistant presented it to us, I turned to Sean and I go, what? I, I'm getting invited new, to Life Center? And my husband was already booked to minister in Texas. And so he looked at me and he's like, I, okay, yeah, go ahead, go without me. So I say all that to say, Sean sends his love to Life Center. He loves you guys. Uh, he, he, we brag on this church so much that when I knew Sean wasn't gonna be able to come on this trip, I, I brought my amazing friend Desiree uh, from California. We're from California because I had bragged on this church. I was like, you gotta come and check it out. She's an amazing prophetic woman of God. Uh, but we both agreed, I did not lie. I did not hype it up. You proved to be true once again. You're an amazing house. How many of you know what an amazing house this is, right? And with the leadership that you have in place, you know you're spoiled, right? Because you have pastors, Charles and Ann, and of course the entire team. I mean, there's some favorites in Sean and I's heart that are on staff here. And so, and Charles has such a special place specifically in Sean and I's heart. Here's just a little bit of history. The very first time Sean and I met in person in 2003, Charles was there. He was the only one. It was Jesus, Charles, Sean, and I. And so when Sean and I actually met for that first time, hello, Charles witnessed it. He didn't know, and neither did Sean and I, because it wasn't until 12 years later that we actually got married. But that was our first initial moment. And so he, we were always like, Charles was there. Charles was there. We love it. So we're so honored to be here. And I'm going to just highlight a couple resources. Then I'm going to dive in, because I don't just have a word this morning. It's not just a nice sermon, but I believe I have the word of the Lord. I submit that humbly, but I submit it with confidence because I know it's the word for the season you're in right now. It's the season for us as a nation, but I want you to hear it as an individual this morning because I believe God wants to minister to you right where you're at. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. Just real quick, we have a, I have a resource table out in the front foyer, but you know, I'm highlighting some resources in hopes that it could possibly help disciple and equip your walk with Jesus. And 
And this is a USB. You plug it into your PC. You plug it into your Mac and you download it. It has 15 teachings on it. Two of them are videos. The rest are audio teachings. And it's all about releasing the supernatural. And so this is actually the only resource that my husband and I have partnered together on. So you get a little bit of Krista Smith. You get a little bit of Sean Smith. And we're praying a whole lot of Jesus. And so, you know, in this, uh, this is all about people activating the supernatural lifestyle. You know, we serve a supernatural God, right? But so many of us live in the natural, and yet we have an accessibility, an availability, and an invitation to move in the supernatural. This can help you unlock and live that out. So if that would bless you, I want you to pick it up. And then lastly, breaking cycles. This is all about, and this is one of my life passions, is people not living from their old identity, but living in their identity bought by the blood of the lamb. You know, we have a new identity through Christ Jesus, but yet so many of us, we've had partial freedom in our life, but not full freedom. And we think partial freedom is good enough, but guess what? Jesus didn't die on the cross so you would have partial freedom. He died on the cross so you would have full freedom. So if you want some full freedom in your life, I want you to grab this, amen? And Katie, I'm gonna let you just give this to someone. Is that cool? I just wanna sew it into the body because I so believe this is a discipling and equipping center. Sure. Uh, di discipling and equipping center. I just believe God's gonna continue to raise people up to disciple the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right, you guys ready for a word? Okay. Wait, oh, come on. This is Life Center. Come on, this is the 11 o'clock service. Okay, there we go, there we go. That was better, that was better. You know, just to give you a little bit of my background, I want to tell you a story about my family. So I'm the youngest of three girls. My oldest sister is six years older than me. My middle sister is four years older. And then, of course, there's me as the baby. And no, I was not spoiled. That's my humble opinion. My sisters would probably disagree. But because of our birth order, I had the privilege of watching my two older sisters kind of go through the natural maturing process, the natural maturation of just what it is to get older and go through all those natural chapters and markers that we go through in growing up, like getting your license, first boyfriend, you know, graduating from college, moving out of the house, going away to college, first job, all the things, right? So I watched my sisters, and some of it I watched what to do, and then some of it I learned what not to do. And so as the youngest child, I watched a specific scenario unfold, and the response of my two sisters was polar opposite of how things unfolded in their life concerning the area of marriage. So my middle sister, she's again four years older than me, she was pretty neutral on it in the sense of she wanted to get married, but it wasn't a big deal to her. You know, she was young and she, it was not on her radar. She wasn't looking for Mr. Right. She wasn't even really in that space of mind. She was like going to Bible college in hopes to become a teacher and whatnot. And so her mind was focused on other things. Whereas my oldest sister, she had been talking about getting married and being a wife and being a mother since she was like 16 years old. It was like her number one desire, which is great. But here's the thing. You don't always have control over the desires of your heart, nor do we always have control over the timeline of our life. And this proved to be true in my sister's life. And wouldn't you know it, because of the age two-year difference between my oldest sister and my middle sister. My, my middle sister's going through Bible college, but she, her whole degree that she's wanting is the MRS degree. You know, she's wanting to become the Mrs. and not really so interested in the actual college degree. She's wanting to get the MRS degree. But she found herself graduating from college single and not in a relationship, but she was very disappointed. Even on her graduation day, it was a moment of prayer for our family because she was pretty discouraged about that. Whereas my, I'm actually not kidding. And, um, you know, my, my middle sister, uh, she went away to Bible college, another Bible college, and within a couple of months of her being there, we got the infamous phone call. And the infamous phone call was, I have met possibly my husband, and I'm going to bring him home for Christmas uh, to meet the parents. And so we're all like, wow, this is, you know, a big deal. And we're all excited. But at Christmas time, we're recognizing my oldest sister is not having the response as the rest of the family. Instead, she's kind of side-eyeing my my, my sister, like, 
excuse me, there's a hierarchy system in this family and it was supposed to be me first and why are you going ahead of me? And isn't it funny how the one who really didn't care about it is the one who's walking it out and the one who wanted it so desperately is having to watch her middle sister have what she so desperately wanted. And then my sister, of course, then does go on to marry that man, my middle sister, and then they soon get pregnant. And so now it has not only turned to a difficult situation, we've now stepped into the area of called suffering. And, and my sister, uh, she would laugh if she heard this, so I'm not saying anything negative about her, but she's not a suffer in silence kind of a personality. You know, when she suffers, we all know she's suffering and what she is suffering about. And so we got many calls. Remember, I'm the baby of the family, so I'm, I'm privy to these phone calls. I'm hearing, and the frequency has increased, the de desperation has increased, and the tears have increased to the point my mom, an amazing intercessor and woman of God, starts calling private family fast. And if I not notice the word I, in I inserted private, we didn't even include my oldest sister in the fast. Because at this point, we are simply wanting God to just set our family free from this place of suffering. Because this isn't even about my oldest sister getting married. This is about deliverance from the suffering for our family. Because I don't know about you, but when you're having the same conversation for multiple years, uh, there's, there's an exhaustion to that. And you want it just as bad as them. I mean, when my father ultimately walked my oldest sister down the aisle, he was like high-fiving people on the way down I'm actually you know it's real and then there wasn't that like crying father of the bride it was like thank you Jesus you hear our prayers you know but my sister found herself in a situation that she didn't want to be in and yet she knew she was smack dab in the middle of God's will. She loved God. She served God. After graduation, she received a position, and she was a youth pastor as a single woman. She did that for several years, and then she felt like her time in the Midwest was done. We're from Oregon originally, so we move, she moves back to Oregon. She stays with my parents for a couple of years. She's not loving that season either. She's coming up on her 30th birthday by this point, and she's single. There's no options. She's back at home with mom and dad, and she is fighting her process and yet she's smack dab in the middle of God's setup. Isn't it funny how sometimes we can be smack dab in the middle of a God setup and we don't like anything about it, right? But I want you to know 2020, you might not have liked anything about it, but I want to prophesy to you today in 2020 and 2021, we're smack dab in the middle of a God setup because God's about to break out in the nation and in the nations. But here my sister, she came to even a time being kind of done living with my mom and dad, knowing God was calling her out of that season. And so there was a church at that time in Colorado Springs that she felt led to be a part of. She didn't even want to go explore it. She didn't even want to consider the possibility because she had told God numerous times, as well as us, that she did not want to move or make a cross-country move or do anything life-altering by herself. She didn't want to do it single. And we kept encouraging her, just take the risk. Just see what God wants to do. She was like not having it and mad at us for saying such things. But my dad, being an incredibly kind man and having all daughters and all the men in the house that have daughters are going to say amen. They know we don't always like to do things by ourselves. And so my dad, being a kind father, booked two tickets and he went with my sister to check out Colorado Springs. When they were in the Sunday morning service, they're worshiping God and my sister has an encounter with God and the Lord says, I've called you here. I want you to move here. She has that revelation. She's called there, but she's kind of mad about it. She's like, no, God, I told you I didn't want to come here by myself after sir after the worship service there's that nice transition time where they say say hi to a neighbor whatnot when they used to say hug your neighbor you know it was that time and so this young man comes off the platform and he beelines right toward my sister he goes do you remember me and in fact she does remember him they actually went to bible college in north dakota together how random right and he's like, what are you doing here? And she said, you know, actually, it's funny. I feel like I'm called here. And I came this weekend with my dad to kind of check it out, check out jobs and check out the church, check out the ministry and check out apartments. And he's like, well, 
I mean, I'll show you around. Like, I, I've been here for a couple years, and I'll show you there's some apartments where I live, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll show you there's some jobs I might know of and whatnot. And so he goes, I'll meet you at your hotel at 2 o'clock. And she's like, wow, he's so nice. Like, that's so nice. And so, you know, um, so they go back to the hotel. You know where this is going. They go back to the hotel, and my sister's laying on the bed, and she starts crying. And she's like, Dad, God told me I'm supposed to come here, and I told him I didn't want to come. I told him I didn't want to make a move as a single woman. I told her, and he's, she's crying, and my dad being very patient and very kind, he starts encouraging her. He's like, but if God's calling you, he's going to be with you, and he's, you know, he's saying all the perfect dad things, you know, and in that moment where he's like speaking life to her, all of a sudden the phone rings in the hotel room, and my dad picks it up, and it's the man's, the young man's name is Dan, and Dan says, I'm here to take you guys out to go see some apartments and some jobs. Now, pause. As you and I know, there is two sides to every story. So let me tell you the other side of the story, which is Dan's side of the story. So when they were in North Dakota in Bible college, he'd actually noticed my sister in a class, and he'd actually wanted to pursue her and had a crush on her. But because a tragedy happened in his family, his dad unexpectedly ended up passing away. He had to move back to Cottage Grove, Oregon. We're from Roseburg, Oregon. Those two towns are 45 minutes apart on the I-5 corridor on the West Coast. And so he moves back to Cottage Grove, Oregon. He becomes the sole provider for the family to take care of them in a time of crisis. He hears about that girl, Kathleen, moving back some years later to live with her parents in Roseburg, only 45 minutes south. He said, Lord, I didn't get to pursue her in college, but can I pursue her now? He's a worship leader. There's a major move of God happening at that time in Southern Oregon. He's at the church where the move of God is happening. It's incredible. And God says, no, I want you to focus on what I've called you to steward in this moment. If you're about my business, I'll be about yours. And he says, okay, Lord. And so for two more years passed by and the Lord says, I'm going to call you to Colorado Springs. I want you to be a part of the worship ministry at the church in Colorado Springs. But he goes, but Lord, the, the woman that I want to pursue is only 45 minutes away. I didn't get to pursue her in Bible college. And now she's only 45 minutes away. I don't get to pursue her. He goes, if you're about my business, I'll be about yours. So he says, just follow me, son. So he just lays it, you know, on the altar of the Lord and he goes to Colorado and then a couple more years pass and then he's thinking about that girl Kathleen because he hasn't really met anyone that's caught his interest but he keeps thinking about that girl and he's like oh she's probably married by now she's probably already with someone she's probably this or that and about two weeks after he had thought that he looks up at the end of a worship service and he sees this girl Kathleen sitting about four rows back and after the worship set is done and the transition's taking place, he beelines right toward her and he's like, what are you doing here? And she says, I'm here because I feel like God's possibly calling me here and I'm going to check out some apartments. He goes, I know I have apartments where I live. I will write up your resume. I, I will take you around. I will show you. I will take you to lunch. How long are you here? I will clear my schedule. Well, that ended up being my brother-in-law. And they have an amazing, isn't that awesome? They end up having a child, and Kathy has all the desires of her heart. Another desire was to do worship with her husband, and they were worship leaders for years together. But my point in telling you this story is this. I believe in this season, in this hour, so many of us have been laying on the bed in the hotel room crying, telling God, I don't want it like this. I don't like it like this. And I want you to know God is calling you from the lobby. There is an answer that is already in route. There is a narrative that is already being written. There is a story that is already taking place. You and I see it from one dimension, but there's a whole other work that God is doing. And I want you to know God is moving. Even when things look like they are delayed, even when things look like they are dead. Come on, we're coming up on Easter. Even when things look like they need resurrection, I want you to know God is writing a story. And he's writing a narrative that is so much greater and so much bigger than what you and I see. So I'm going to prophesy to you this morning. I want you to get up off that bed. I want you to wipe away those tears. I want you to receive some hope this morning. I want you to know God is doing a new work. It's not too late. Because when God is writing the story, redemption, restoration, and promise are always the period at the end of the sentence. Amen? An incredible portion of scripture that I want to pull from this morning 
is John 11. It's a story of Lazarus. Many of us know this text. Hopefully, I'll be able to pull out some things to maybe look at them from a little bit different angle and really bring some perspective of what I believe God is doing in this moment. It's a long portion of text. It's 44 verses. I'm not going to read the entire 44 verses. And for the men and the women in the house that love sports, I'm going to give you an ESPN highlight reel of this portion of text so you can grasp the essence of what I believe God wants to release. So I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. We're going to start in verse 1, John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mar Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Say two days. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Say four days. Verse 19, many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha with their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else's rises on the last day. And Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told them. I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who's coming to the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Last couple verses, verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. I want you to know there is a story of power-packed truth, principle, but also an impartation this morning. If you grab a hold of what God is saying through this portion of Scripture, it will change your whole paradigm for where we're currently at and for some of you what you're going through in this moment. I don't know about you, but I have a certain set of expectations when I am in a time of crisis. If I was Mary and Martha in this story and I sent word to Jesus that the brother was sick and that I was a good friend with Jesus, it said in scripture that Lazarus was a dear friend. So say this is one of my besties. Say this is a covenant relationship. This is like my inner circle. These are the people I do life with. I send word to Jesus. I've seen him heal people. So I know that if I can just get Jesus to the situation, everything will be okay. But Jesus responds so different than what anyone in the story expected him to respond. Mary and Martha are calling for him and they're expecting him to come, but instead of him coming, he waits two days. Can you imagine being Mary and Martha in this story? Let's just bring it to you and I in our humanity. And that's the truth of you and I just waiting on Jesus. Sometimes we're sending a word to Jesus and we're like, Jesus, where are you? And I don't know about you, but there's an expectancy of how I think people should respond in crisis. If I was fighting for my life, if I was on my deathbed, I would expect my mom to show up with her shofar, that my mom and dad to show up with the anointing oil, my husband to bring the anointing oil, for every intercessor that I have relationship with to get to the hospital room, to get to my bedside. I want the worship team there. I want the walls of Jericho being, you know, I, I, I want the whole team. I want the army of God activated fighting for me. I have an expectation that things are going to be dropped. 
things are going to be put aside so that they can come to my aid in time of need. Who else has that expectation? But isn't it so interesting that even though we have the expectation and Jesus knows our expectation, he knew the expectation, right? He's God. He knew the expectation of Mary, Martha, and even Lazarus. But how does he respond? He basically responds and he says, this will not be unto death. This will be for God's glory. This will be for the glory of the Son of God. And I don't know about you, but even as a disciple, you're doing life with Jesus, but sometimes he still perplexed you. He still sometimes was mysterious in the way he responded. And so I'm a bit of a pit bull in the spirit. My husband likes to call me, call it the pit bull anointing. I, I don't have, I don't know how to quite back off when I really feel like God has promised me something. And so I imagine if I was a disciple with Jesus in that moment and he got the word that Lazarus was sick, I would go to Jesus and be like hey okay so you got the word okay sounds like a serious situation so like what time are we leaving um you know we, we need to go and if Jesus looked at me and was like we're gonna stay I'd be like bold I mean that's super that's bold that's bold response okay and I'm here for it you know it's bold and then the next day in 24 hours guaranteed I would be back at the side of Jesus and I'd be like okay so it was serious yesterday so I know it's super serious today are you ready to go? I will pack your bag. I will clean up your tent. I will rally the troops. I will help administrate this process in order for us to get to Lazarus. And Jesus looks at me and he says, no, Krista, we're going to stay. He doesn't even tell me where he's planning on going the next day. He just says, we're going to stay. And I have to sit there and process and make a conclusion over who I think Jesus is in the midst of crisis. Anyone relate to that? In the midst of crisis situations, when there are delays, there's an absence of a narrative that you and I are privy to. We don't always know what God is doing. And it's in that moment, it's in the vulnerable places of the delay that the enemy wants to come in there and fill it with the wrong narrative. But I want you to know Jesus had a plan. And on the second day, it says he planned to go. But you have to know it was still a two-day journey. So if Jesus on the second day and me being a disciple recognizes we're still two days out, that means we're not going to be there until four days after we receive the message. I'll be honest, in my humanity, I'd probably think, I mean, you're going to show up now? It's, it's a little late. And Mary and Martha, when they get word that Jesus is coming... There's a possibility of their response, kind of like, why did you bother? Because I don't know about you, if my friends didn't even show up when I was sick, let alone miss the funeral, let alone miss the procession, they didn't even show up for the grieving, the mourning, the pain, the loss. And they show up well after everything has taken place, and then they come to town? Come on. You're not more spiritual than me. You know you'd be mad. And so I get Martha's response. She comes to Jesus. She says, had you been here, right? But what I love is the message that even though there are delays in this season, even though there has been delays in 2020, even though there has been delays of 2021, I want to prophesy to you this morning, friends, that a delay is not a denial. There are some of you that have interpreted in the delay because there has been the absence of the absence of the narrative that you have felt like because the procession has happened, because the pain has happened, because the funeral has taken place, you think it's done. But God wants you to know he is en route. He is coming your way. And even though it looks like there's a delay, it is not a denial. It's a divine setup. See, Jesus knew whose report to stand on. He knew whose narrative to listen to. He wasn't persuaded to respond and drop everything. He wasn't stressed out. He wasn't worried. I think it's such a model of how for us to respond in crisis, in times of global pandemic, in times of loss and grief. I think it's such a picture because so many of us, I think, and I can include myself in this as well, we give so much emotional energy to crisis that never happened. We grieve things that actually never died. Let me say it another way. We, we create a funeral procession for something that was never intended to be mourned. We take all this emotional real estate in our lives and we're giving it to the wrong place. Are you catching that this morning? 
See, there has to be a source that we're listening to above all the other sources. The name is Jesus. No matter what any news station is saying, any blog, any podcast, your ultimate source has to be at all times Jesus. See, the Father knew that there had to be a picture of resurrection power. But here's what we always forget. All of us love the idea of resurrection power, but we don't love the idea that something has to die in order for there to be resurrection power. See, there had to be a death of the, some of the things in our lives in 2020. There had to be a death of some of the things in the church of North America in order for God to do a resurrection power because God's resurrecting a new thing, not the old thing, a new thing. But there had to be some things that died. So that was, was res, re, what is actually resurrected is of him. But see, that four-day delay, that's tough. That's hard. But what I love about that picture is the Lord knew it had to be four days in order for not to just be dead, but dead, dead. Now, what's dead, dead? Dead, dead means there is no warmth in the body. There's no life source connected to the body. There's no blood. There's no oxygen. There's no cell. There's no beating. There's nothing. You have removed all possibility of life from the situation. And people at this point have given up all the faith. They have prepared the body. They've had the funeral. They've put Lazarus in the grave. They've even rolled the stone. I mean, Lazarus is dead, dead. He's not just dead. He's four days dead. And I want you to know, after four days, it stinks a little bit. After four days, things look like they're decomposing. After four days, it's not pretty. It's not, it's not, it's not a nice situation. I want you to know we serve a God that nothing's too dead for him. We serve a four-day dead God. We don't just serve a God that comes in on the situation and do what he's always done. Oh, no, friends. We're serving a God that's coming in to bring resurrection power. We're, we're serving a God that in the midst of a four-day dead God, he's saying, I'm allowing things to be removed that could rob the glory of this scenario. No doctor's going to get the glory. No intercessor's going to get the glory. No leader, no pastor, no church. Nothing's going to get the glory because everyone's walked away from the situation, and then I come in. And then I bring resurrection because the only person that gets glory in the story is God. See, that's resurrection power. But see, we have to understand that there was a process in order to walk out resurrection because the resurrection of Lazarus, that's incredible, right? But if you notice before Lazarus was resurrected, there was two conversations that took place with Jesus between Mary and Martha, the two sisters of Lazarus. And one led to a lecture and one led to Lazarus. One led to a dissertation, one led to a resurrection. What about Mary in her life access and pulled a resurrection out of Jesus versus what in Martha pulled the lecture out? Now, let's understand what we're walking into because we find the answer to the question I just asked. How did one sister get a lecture and one sister get a resurrection? We find that answer in Luke 10. In Luke 10, we're about to jump into it. Verse 38, you can begin to turn there. But the backdrop of that portion of scripture, and I want you to catch this, is that these, this is when Jesus comes to town. He's looking for a place to impart. He's looking for a place to teach. He's looking for a place to pour out and to minister. And what happens? Martha opens up her home. This is the portion of scripture we're about to read. So Luke 10, verse 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening. Say listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you know you're about to be corrected when Jesus says your name twice. Okay. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken 
away from her. See, we can be in the same room with Jesus, but have no room for what he came to do. See, Martha opened up her home to Jesus, but she was so busy. She was more focused on, on, on the preparations, on the hospitality. And yes, it's important, but it wasn't the point for the moment. See, when you look at the original meaning of the word listening that we read in verse 39, it says that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and she listened. That word actually means to give rapt attention. It also means to absorb. So the picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus in Luke 10 is that Mary sat at the feet and actually absorbed who Jesus was, who he imparted himself to be. She actually received resurrection power. She actually received the Messiah. She actually received the full portion of who he is. She absorbed it into her being. So the picture when Jesus is coming four days late, and Martha shows up and she puts her hand on her hip. That's how I imagine it at least. A hand on her hip and she's like, Jesus, where have you been? My brother would have lived had you not been here. And he turns to Martha and he says, Martha, I am resurrection power. I am life. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I get it. But she doesn't get it. See, she missed that class. She missed the memo because she didn't sit at the feet of Jesus in Luke 10. See, the, what was imparted, what was released, what needed to to be absorbed in Luke 10 was what was about to be activated in John 11. See, there was an impartation that Jesus had intended to put into the house, to put into the, to the sisters. He knew that there was a death coming. Nothing surprises Jesus. You know, he's fully man, but fully God. He knew that there was going to be a moment where they would need to experience resurrection power. It wasn't by accident that he came to release resurrection power to their house because he knew some chapters later what they would need, but only one sister absorbed it. Are you catching this? And so when Mary comes, what does she say? She has the exact same conversation. She says, Jesus, had you been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks at Mary and he says, where have you laid him? No lecture, no dissertation, just a resurrection. We want to know how you tap into resurrection power. It sounds so glamorous. It sounds so big. It sounds like this unattainable experience in God. I want you to know, I just felt like the Lord said it's actually quite simple. There's resurrection power over this nation. There's resurrection power over the church. There's resurrection power over the sons and daughters of God right now. And it's actually quite simple. It's putting the things that distract away. 2020, I prophesied this January 20th, 2020 in Virginia, that 2020 would be a year of of interruption of detour surprises it was not a year to keep your schedule it was a year of coming into alignment with the presence of God what is alignment it's coming to the feet of Jesus alignment is absorbing what you what the Lord has to impart into you see there was an absorbing that was necessary because of the resurrection that was about to come so when the when the crisis come you're not just running to the feet out of crisis you've already got a well of oil within you because you've been at the feet of Jesus so when the storms are raging you're not swayed by the delay you're not swayed by the absence of the narrative. You're not swayed when there feels like, Jesus, are you coming through? Because whether you see he is at work or not, you can be assured he is still moving on your behalf. I think we need to be reminded today in this hour that God is still writing a story of revival. I heard a pastor say this, with everything we've gone through, you know what the church's revenge is? Revival. Revival's our revenge in this hour. We're going to bring the biggest move of God because we've been at the feet of Jesus. The darker it gets, the more revival's going to be brighter to shine, right? It's like we're not swayed but what feels like four days because our God is a four-day dead God. I want to speak to the marriage in the house. It feels like it is hanging on for dear life. I don't care if your marriage has been unfulfilling for 40 years. I want you to know there is resurrection power in the house for your marriage, for the prodigal, for the sons and daughters. I believe God says, if you'll come to my feet and receive the oil of impartation, 
if you'll come to my feet and receive the oil of intimacy in this hour. As we come to Easter, I'm reminded of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's such a picture of oil. Do you know the Garden of Gethsemane is actually an orchard of olive trees? And out of the olive trees, it wasn't an orchard that was typically used to eat the olives. No, it was an olive orchard that was used to make olive oil. But what you have to understand about olive oil is the olives that are selected are in their most mature form. They're not broken. They're not disconnected from the vine at that point. But they're in their fullest, ripest, most mature state. And it makes the best oil. I believe we are the olives in this moment, in this hour, to be in a pressing season. And out of us will come the oil that we need for this season and the next season. Friends, what is pressed out of you in this moment What has been pressed out of you in 2020? Is it the oil of intimacy? Is it the oil of anointing, right? Is it the oil of Jesus, of spending time at the feet of Jesus? So many of us have just wanted to get things back to normal, but friends, can we not over-glamorize normal? Because if revival is not the headline of what we're going toward, then I don't want to go back to what it was. It wasn't that great before. So can, can, can we agree that we're not trying to go back to what was? We're just going toward a move of God. But I believe it starts with the bride getting reacquainted. See, I believe there's what global reset that has happened and especially for the church where we've allowed busyness we've been so good at being Martha's and I know there's administration to do I know there's a practical but can we recognize the moment like Jesus said can we recognize the good part the invitation to come to the feet of Jesus to put the other things aside and recognize if we're going to have a move of God if resurrection power is going to come out of the nation of America then we have to be at his feet I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. But I just believe God wants to raise the things in your life that have been dead. See, I believe there's an invitation to absorb this morning. You know, what I love about Mary is we see her multiple times in Scripture, and she's often found at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 10, she's absorbing for the first time. In John 11, she comes and she's at his feet asking for her brother. And the third portion of scripture is in John 11, just one chapter later. And she's the one, and we read it in John 11, that she poured out the oil. She used her hair. She wiped the feet of Jesus. And it became a prophetic act before the crucifixion. See, this woman constantly found herself at the feet of Jesus because she had absorbed who she is. She didn't need a catch-up course in the midst of the crisis. See, I believe storms may continue to rage around us, but you will not be rattled. You will not be shook if you're absorbing who God is in this moment and in this hour. There's so many people that are on anxiety medication. I'm not knocking that. I'm not condemning that. Please do not hear that. But I'm just saying there's so many people that are medicated that if they just came to the feet of Jesus. I know that didn't get a lot of claps, and I'm cool with that. I'm not here for the claps. I'm really not. But we so look for a quick solution when there's simply an invitation to absorb who he is. Friends, it does not matter what the world says is going to happen, could happen. The narrative of fear that people want you to adopt. No, no. We serve a God that is a four-day dead God. And he allowed every life source to be removed so that he would get the glory. On Palm Sunday, I can't pass this moment up without putting an invitation before you to take an inventory, to evaluate where you are with Jesus. The greatest miracle to date is still salvation. I believe there could be some people in this room or watching online where you know your life and the activities within your life don't honor God. 
I don't say that out of judgment or condemnation. I say that as a beautiful invitation for you to come to the feet of Jesus and absorb who he is. When we absorb who he is, that old flesh dies and we're able to step into a new relationship with Jesus, into the new creation who we're called to be. I believe on Palm Sunday, as we come up to Easter Sunday, I believe God is inviting you to have resurrection first and foremost in your own life and then to bring a carrier to other people's lives. You've been looking for love and acceptance in a lot of places and friends, it's only found at his feet. I believe there's some people in this room possibly that you've been back and forth for a couple of months you serve Jesus and then a couple of months you kind of do your own thing and then guilt and shame bring you back to the church and then there's just been a cycle and God says, can we break the cycle today? Can you just come to my feet? Can I just set you free once and for all? Can, can you just absorb the fullness of my love for you? Can, you? can you just absorb that you're called, you're chosen, you're loved, you're pursued? Can you just absorb my truth of your life? I believe the invitation is available for every single person. I want you to take an inventory and I do not want you to pay attention to anyone else's response. I want you to respond for you because this is between you and the Father. But if that applies to you and you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, maybe for the fourth time, but it's gonna be the final time in Jesus' name, I just want you to stand wherever you're at. Don't hesitate, don't overthink it. Come on, that's awesome. I love it, people are standing. Come on, Jesus, come on. I love it, come on, Jesus. Anyone else, just quickly stand. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. Come on, Jesus. I love that. We have some people standing in the balcony. I love it. This is amazing. Anyone else, just quickly stand. Don't worry about anyone else. I believe this is a divine appointment. You could have been anywhere, but you were here today because God says, I want you to absorb who I am. Come on. Come on. If you're able to, would you just join me? And I'm not trying to bait and switch you. But I simply want to invite you. I'm going to invite some of the pastoral team to come over and just meet you. We're going to pray a prayer with you. I'm going to continue to minister to the congregation while this happens. But if all of you standing, if you could just make your way and meet me over here. And again, some of the pastoral is going to join us right over here. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Come on. Go ahead and stand, Life Center. Let's, let's clap. Let's applaud. Let's cheer. Because heaven's celebrating. Heaven is celebrating. Come on, all these souls, all these people, come on. This is what it's about, friends. This is what it's about. This, we want resurrection power. We want revival. It's called souls. It's called salvation. Come on, we're impacting the city. Every life matters to Jesus. Every soul matters to Jesus. So Lord, as the pastoral team prays over all of you, and they'll pray a prayer with you, and we might need a few more leaders to come over and join because there's an awesome response. I love it. But lead each of them through the prayer of salvation. It's so important. But as that happens, I believe there's an invitation for resurrection power in your own life. If there's something dead and you heard the message this morning, you're like, man, my life feels four days dead. My destiny, my dream, my things that I thought my life was going to look like, it feels four days dead, God. And you need resurrection power. For some of you, it's in your finances. For some of you, it's just with like love for yourself, how God sees you. For some of you, it's believing for that, fe- that healing in your body that you need so desperately. And it's felt like that chronic condition has gone on for so long. But God's saying today, resurrection power, can you believe for that? Can you believe for God to encounter you? Can you believe for God to resurrect what looks dead? So all over this place, for those watching online, if there's something in your life that feels dead, but God says it's not dead, it's just a divine setup because resurrection power is en route. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hands all over this room. I want you to respond wherever you're at online, in the balcony, down here on the main floor. I want you just to say, Jesus, come on after me, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, I receive resurrection power. I believe you are a four-day dead God that 
that nothing is too dead for you. I believe you're in route. You're bringing resurrection power. And what was once dead is going to live. Let me pray over you. I speak life over every single dead thing. I call forth the resurrection power of Jesus over every life, over every situation in Jesus' name. God, you are so good and you are faithful. Lord, I thank you because I know in faith the testimonies that are going to come from this family, from this congregation of how you showed up when the doctor said there was no hope, when the friends said there was no hope, when the family members said there was no help. God, we're going to carry a testimony of resurrection power because of who you are. I seal resurrection power over all of you. And as Pastor Charles comes forward, I believe there's some destinies that in 2020 it felt like they got disrupted. Maybe even they felt like they died. Small business owners, people that were entrepreneurs, things that you had spent your life building and you're like, it feels like it's dead. I just heard in the spirit, the Lord wanted me to simply release over you. God is resurrecting small businesses. God is resurrecting the entrepreneurship. I just heard the Lord say, tell the business owners, tell the entrepreneurs in the house, it's not over in Jesus' name. I got one. Oh, thank you, Krista. I just want to say this and say this to everyone online as well. We are in a season of expectation of God doing something that's never been done before. You can read the news and get totally depressed or you can listen to God and get empowered with hope and expectation and faith that God has some answer that is beyond anything we've imagined. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro over the earth. Our eye, no eye is seen, no ear is heard. It hasn't entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And we just bless you for in this season. God, thank you for harvest. Thank you that we're in a season where, where many, many souls will be saved and that you will pour out revival on our nation and on the world in an unstoppable wave of glory. We bless you, Lord. We bless this word that was spoken, that it would penetrate, that it would saturate us, God, and it would change us. Oh, we worship you, God. So I know there, the altar is also open for people coming that you hope for prayer, for healing, this kind of thing. You're welcome to come. The rest of you, I want to bless you. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his presence, his face shine on your life. May you experience his graciousness every day. Know that he's looking at you when you pray. He's paying attention whether there's delay or not. He's, every prayer is heard. May the peace of God be on your life as you bear the name of Jesus into the world. God bless you. You're dismissed. Can we just, let, let's just give one more applaud to Jesus the word of God. God, we thank you for your gracious word. We love you. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Krista, for bringing the word of the Lord.